Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Take that song. Thank God for the truth in it. Um, you know, when, the, when, when we hear the truth concerning uh, our Lord, we ought to be able to say so. Uh, I, I don't believe the Christian people have to be cajoled to say amen or, or to lift their hand. There ought to be something that just happened, right? Because you're living in Christ and not dead. Um, boy, I've been thinking about that all week. Turn with us tonight to the book of Kings, Second uh, Kings. Let me get there. Chapter number four is where we're going to read tonight. Uh, we're going to begin with verse number eight, and uh, for the for the uh, sake of time, I'm just going to read uh, six or eight verses, maybe down through verse number seventeen. But uh, if he'll help me tonight, I want to I want to preach as quickly as I can through the chap- uh, verse number thirty-seven. I love this story, and uh, God's opened my heart to some new things in it this week, and actually last week, and I've just rejoiced in. In, in it several times, you know, people don't re- realize it, but the preacher has to eat this this fruit several times before you ever get to taste it, and uh, that's a <laughs> that's a joy for me. And I thank him that he speaks to me. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, do you want the word of God tonight? Yeah. Are you hungry for the word? Pray for me, Lord willing. Second uh, Kings is our text tonight. Chapter number four, and we'll begin at verse number eight. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, called this Shunammite, and when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto, and she, and he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken of for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Barely she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door, and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived, bare son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. Father, we pray for your word tonight. We confess 
Lord, what a joy it is for us, God, just to, Lord, to relive it in our own minds. And, and oh, I pray that you would send it out now as you've given it unto me. I confess no ability to do it, but I'm asking earnestly for the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's our heart's desire to do it, and we pray for your help. I pray for those listening that the word would also, or it would not just be heard, but also, Lord, received and obeyed. Help us, Lord, all to strive to be great. We trust you in this as we're asking earnestly. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. Um, I remember, I, I told Jerry Little this um, several, well, a couple of months ago. He was at the broadcast preaching for Dustin in uh, I told him that I remembered when he preached revival for, for us one year that he preached about the contents in the prophet's chamber. I'll never forget the message that he, that he preached, every one of those things within that little chamber that had been made for Elisha, he preached on them. And I've never been able to preach them myself. I've studied it several times with the intent, but God never gave me the message from it. And uh, I, I, I just... I worship God because his word is living in such a way that so much of it has power to us all. Um, I want us to look tonight at what uh, the Bible said in in uh, verse number 8 concerning this woman from Shunem. The Bible said, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem where was a great woman. Any time that you find in the Bible a reference given to a man or a woman and before it, it says they were great, you should take a little time with that. You should look very carefully and see if you can identify what it is in their life that inspired God and the Holy Spirit to record them as being great. (laughs) Uh, if a book was written about you, would that be the adjective used? Would God refer to you as a great woman or a great man? I, I read in the Word of God about several great men and great women, and uh, time fails us to, to speak of many of them. But I just want to say tonight that concerning this woman, now, I don't even know her name. But you know what? It wasn't really her name that was important. But I'll tell you, God knows who it was. And and this woman had attributes. There were characteristics and there were things that she did in her life that set her apart from other people. It made her different. And uh, she wasn't striving for anything glorious. She was simply from her heart living in a way that... uh, the Holy Spirit would record this story later as her being a great woman. I wonder what our what we really, as the men and women of faith, aspire to be. I wonder, are we trying to be like someone else or are we simply trying to be the best we can for God? How many of us even have great? In our, in, in our future, in our goal, in our, in our desire to be for God. I'm afraid today that a lot of people are satisfied with just how they are. 
Uh, We're just living that same old, same old humdrum, uh, apathetic, indifferent life. And they've got comfortable with their salvation. And they've they've settled in for the the long haul, just waiting on payday, waiting on the day when uh, the Lord will say, come home. And I believe that will happen for sure. But uh, may I say today, I believe we ought to be striving. I believe we ought to be trying to be better tomorrow than we were today. I believe it ought to be in our heart to be as better, as good as we can for the Lord Jesus Christ and better uh, for the kingdom of God than we've ever been. I don't believe we ought to accept mediocrity ever. We ought to be careful that we don't look at someone else and say, well, I'm just as good as old Steve Howard is. Uh, That ought to be good enough. That ought to be enough where I just sit back and take my knees and, and just be merry about the whole thing. May I say to you today, I believe we ought to be uh, thinking bigger. We ought to be expecting bigger. We ought to be wanting more from God in order that we as God's people might be great. Now, you'll find in the attributes that I'll speak of concerning this great woman that uh, her desire wasn't to be known as great. <laughs> what, what, what we find in the passage is that God's the one said she was great. It wasn't her that was saying, look what I am, look what I've become, look how spiritual I am, look how great I am. Now, I know there's people like that in this world, but it wasn't this woman. And yet what the Bible said was she was great. I want to look at five things tonight and Uh, We'll do our best to get through this as quickly as possible. Number one, the Bible said she constrained him to eat bread. Now, if you study that word constrained or you look in the definition, at least on the Greek side, what you'll find is that she laid hold on him. Now, I don't know about you, but she's pretty intent on him understanding that her intent was for him to eat at her house. Uh, I've... I've experienced that a time or two where somebody was just so absolutely intent on me eating at their house. I remember when we pastored Meadow Branch that it was the responsibility they felt that somebody every Sunday had to feed the preacher and his little family. And they did that. Faithfully, they did that. And uh, I remember one, one time that one, one lady came to me and she said, now, you're coming to my house to eat. I said, I am. She said, you are coming to my house to eat. And uh, when I finally got there, I seen why. She had made enough for three families to eat. And uh, it was her desire, you see, to feed the preacher. (laughs) See, I don't know how God rewards people. But I got a feeling it's stuff like that he's watching. (laughs) There wasn't nobody else knew what she went through to feed the man of God that day. And I, listen, it ain't about me. I'm talking about them. <laughs> what they went through to see that the work of God was continued. Now, this woman had it in her heart that when the man of God came through, there was a spiritual perception that was, a, that was in her life that when she saw Elisha, she recognized that this was the man of God. This for them was the conduit of God. This was the man, the one, the prophet of their day. And he had the words of life for them. And when this woman saw him, uh, she took such a notice and a hunger for God and his word 
word that she laid hold of him and said, I want you to eat bread at my house. At my house. Now, we're trying to look tonight at what it was that made this woman great. But I want to suggest to you that she wasn't going to be deterred from from doing what she could do for the man of God. And when I say man of God, I'm not talking about as we think of it today, the pastor. I'm talking about the work of God, the works of God, the spiritual things. This woman had made up her mind that she was going to do for God whatever she could possibly do to see the kingdom of God furthered in her own family and in her own country. This woman was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread. Not only did she constrain him to eat with her or at her house, but the Bible said that she supported the work of God. There's a lot of people that I believe support good things in this world. But oh, I believe one of the greatest things that you can commit yourself to and whatever that means, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily always mean money. Often it means more time than it does resources. But I believe this woman had made up her mind that she was going to commit something in her life to the support of God's kingdom. And the Bible said that she told her husband, I like how she said it, she said, behold now. <laughs> she said, behold now. She said, let us make a little room, attaching it to the wall of our home. We're going to make the man of God a little room. And in that room, she said, we're going to put a bed, we're going to put a candlestick, we're going to put a desk, and we're going to put a chair. Amen. We're going to put everything that the man of God needs. We're going to build this room. It's going to be on our home, and this room ain't going to be for you. It ain't going to be for me. It's going to be for the things of God. It's going to be for the man of God. Oh, how thank him today for those who have committed their lives to the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May I say to you today, there are rewards in heaven and the people around you may not know what you do, but I want you to know that God knows what you do. And God cares what you do. Amen. It was important, I believe, to God that this woman was committing her resources, her very home to the furtherance of the kingdom of God. All that we could be as hospitable as this woman was. But it wasn't just about hospitality. See, she, it wasn't necessarily just because Elisha was a great prophet. I believe that this woman recognized that he was holy. And holy tied him directly to the Father. It tied him as the conduit of that which is holy. May I say to you today, for you and I, if I can break it down to you, that Elisha would be Jesus. I want you to know when it comes to Jesus, I want him to be welcomed in my home. I want him to know that everything I have, is he's welcome to have it. I want him to know that I want to commit whatever it takes to see the kingdom of God furthered and, and promoted in my life. I want him to know that the most important thing to me is that he feels welcome in my house. And that he knows He's always got a place right there. The Bible said this woman was great, and it goes to detail to tell us that she constrained him 
to be fed right there in their home. She, she wanted to make sure provision was made for those things that were spiritual and those things that were of God. But she wanted also to go further than that. She wanted to support the kingdom of God, the work of Christ. She wanted to support Elisha, the man of God, and did so in a physical way. Supported him with her very own resources. But I want you to look at something even more great as we go on down in the text. The Bible said there that the day came and old Elisha, he'd gone into that little room. Apparently Gehazi had gone in there with him and Elisha was resting. And he asked Gehazi, now, for whatever reason, Elisha never spoke directly to this woman. Probably wasn't customary for the holy man to speak to a woman directly and he didn't speak to this woman, but he told his servant as he began to consider all that had been done for him by this woman, he asked Gehazi, he said, what's been done for her? And uh, he said, well, I don't reckon we've done the thing for her. And he said, call her. And the Bible said, she comes, she stood the door. And, and Elisha said to Gehazi, he said, ask her. He said, what's to be done for you? For you have taken great care with us. You know what he recognized? He saw the love of this woman and her concern for those things of God that she would go through such care to feed him and to provide for him and to build a room on her home for him. And here he says, what's to be done for you seeing that you've taken such great care uh, for the things of God. And I thought to myself, as I was trying to understand, you know, this woman, here she was, and she had done some simple things to you and I, and yet we find the man of God was taking notice of those things. I wonder today how many times the Lord Jesus looks down into your life or your life, how, how many times he looks down into your life, and he's looking there, and he looks over to the Father, and he says, I want you to look what she's done. I want you to look what he's done, how he's taken taking great care for the things of God, how he's putting great effort into protecting the word of God and supporting the kingdom of God and furthering the gospel of God, all that God is, is thinking about what you and I are doing. And that he's wondering, I wonder what I could do for them. You say, that's never crossed my mind. I don't know it's crossed my mind until this week. That as I began to contemplate what Elisha was saying, I began to think, I bet there are times that the Lord says, I want you to look what he's doing. Reckon what we can do for him. Lord ever blessed you and you wasn't expecting it? You ever wondered why? <laughs> I wonder if he could have been watching last week when you were given so carefully to his work to the ministry of God. I wonder if he was watching in your life when maybe you didn't feel like just getting up and going to church, but you said, you know what, I'm going anyhow. I wonder if he was looking in your life and, and, and he saw you when you gave a little extra to that person that was in need and in trouble and you took great care to make sure nobody seen you, but it blessed him somehow. I wonder if, if at those times when God is looking and you're simply doing something to exalt Christ through the love that he has placed in you, I wonder how many times he says, I believe I'll just bless them back. You ever heard the term, you'll never outgive God? Do you believe it? I believe it's applicable right here. 
I I believe we see biblically that coming to pass right here as this woman wasn't asked to feed Elisha. She wasn't asked to build a room on her home. She wasn't asked to go the extra mile to see that the man of God kept doing the work of God. No, but she did it and she did it without it being asked. And here we find the man of God. In our day, we would think of it as Christ. We see the conduit from the Father saying, what can be done for this one? He called her into the room. She stood at the door, didn't go in the room. She stood at the door. And Gehazi asked her, he said, what's to be done for you? He said, how about we tell the king all about you? Or he said, what about we tell the captain of hosts about you? What was he saying? What he was saying was, is we have connections. Elisha's a very powerful and prominent man in this government and in this kingdom. And whatever he tells the king, it's very likely the king will do for you. If you need something, the king sets you up. As a matter of fact, if you want to, uh, Miss Shunamite lady, he said, here's what we can do. We can tell the king, and it's more than likely that he could raise you in status. He might give you a little house near the kingdom. He might give you a vineyard. He might do this for you or do that. All we've got to do is tell the king, would you have us talk to the king in your behalf? And you know what she told him? She said, no, 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 uh uh-uh. No, she said, I don't want none of that. No, she said, I, I dwell among my own people. She said, I'll have no need for the king to know who I am. Don't you love them people? I do. I love them people. You know what they're not looking for? They're not looking for a pat on the back. They're not hunting for somebody to congratulate them on how great they are. No, she was saying to Elijah, no, no, don't tell anybody. I just soon just dwell right here among my people and just do what I'm doing. She said, I don't need nobody to know who I am. Oh, to God, that we could live in such humility, that we could give our entire lives, our entire resources, everything that we have to the Lord Jesus Christ and that we would want nobody to know it you want to know what made this woman great the bible said in one place jesus said when you give he said don't let your right hand know what your left one's doing that's the kind of woman this was she didn't want nobody to know no she said i am perfectly content living right here in this little house in this little town and nobody ever know who i am <laughs> You know what? God thought that was pretty great. You see what I'm saying? This absolutely leaves the mindset of most people, right? If if people do something, they're expecting you to say how good they did at it. And that's how the flesh is. Ain't we sorry? (laughs) Ain't we awful in that way? Amen. We do something and we're, we're watching to see if anybody's seen we did something for God. And we're, we're expecting somebody to pat us on the back. Say, well, you, you, you're the greatest singer. You're the greatest preacher. You're the greatest prayer I've ever seen. I, I've got confidence in you. I, listen, this woman said, no, I don't want you to say a thing about me. I find the apostle Paul, he said it like this. He said, godliness with contentment is what kind of gain? The Bible said she was a great woman. You know what? Part of what made her great was she had godliness with contentment. 
She said, no, no. She said, I, I, don't, want, I don't want nobody to know my name. No, not at all. I don't want anybody to know who I am. She, she said, I dwell among my own people. And she said, I'm perfectly happy. You know what she did? She turned around. She walked out. That's the end of that story. <laughs> and she didn't stand there waiting for him to beg her anymore. Right? You see what I'm saying? She wasn't putting on some, some false sort of humility unto the prophet. No. She said, that's all. And she left. Right? She turned around and went out of the room. And here old Elisha is. And he looks over at Gehazi again. Well, I guess that's that. He said, what in the world are we going to do for her? And old Gehazi he said, well, she ain't got no kids. And her husband's old. So apparently she ain't going to have no kids. Did you know that Elisha called her back? That's what the Bible said. Elisha called her back and she stood in the door. And guys, he told her. He said, here's what's going to happen. He said, about this time next year, you're going to hold a son. I'm going to give you the next, next thing that made her great. I want you to see this. This is a hard one to see, but I want you to see it. The Bible said that he, that basically what he said was, I'm fixing to do a miracle for you. Right. Now, when he could have talked to the king or he could have talked to the captain of the host, those were not miraculous offers. You see the difference? What he was saying he would do for them, those were, anybody could do that. And yet what, what Elisha said, listen, I'm fixing to do for you something nobody else can do. Nobody but God can do. I want you to know that there are things the Lord does for me that nobody else can do. You know why he does that? I don't know that it's that I'm great, but he certainly does honor faithfulness. I believe that. I believe he honors your commitment. I believe he honors your effort. I believe he honors when you absolutely strive from the bottom of your heart to do the best you can for the Lord. You underestimate the value of being faithful all the time to God. According to the scripture, the Bible said that what's expected of a steward is that they be found faithful. Did you know today, I believe that God does stuff for us that's miraculous in nature. Nobody else can do it. He told Gehazi, he said, call her back. Tell her this. By this time next year, according to the season of life, he said, you're going to bear a son. He said, you're going to hold a son in your arms. And I want you to see what this great woman did. (laughs) Don't you see what she did? I, I, I didn't understand this part here, really. And then it just occurred to me that in those days, for the prophet to speak something that did not come true, you know what that meant? For the prophet, it meant death, right? What good's a prophet if he's a liar? What good is the prophet if what he says does not come true? If a prophet speaks and it doesn't happen, his reputation just went. And he looks at this, this precious woman and he says, here's what's going to happen. This time next year, you're going to bear a son. And she said, wait. Wait. You know what, I think what she was trying to say, Tish, she was, she was trying to say, please, 
Do not put your reputation at stake for me. You know what she was saying? She is. She was saying that. Power. She said it's more important to me to live childless and that the word of God be faultless, without error, and that the man of God be without reproach. Oh, she said, I'd rather be childless than to put you in that position. My goodness. I'm starting to see, all right, aren't you? I'm starting to see why the Lord thought she was a great woman. She was, she was less... Con- Can you imagine how many times this poor woman cried herself to sleep because she had no children? Right. In those days, right, I know people don't value them today. Some people don't. Right. People think so little of children today, they'll murder them before they're born and throw them in garbage cans. But in that day, A little man-child born to a woman was more important than gold in the bank. It was the most precious thing she could have. How many times did that poor woman sometimes cry herself to sleep because she couldn't have a child? And yet when the man of God said, here's what I'm going to do. By the power of God, I'm going to do a miracle in your life. And you, woman, are going to have a child within the next year. You're going to hold a son in your arms. And she said, please, don't lie. She said, nay, my Lord. Oh, thou man of God. See what she said? Oh, thou man of God. She said, don't say it. Don't, don't, don't say it. Don't lie. She said, it's more important to me. I'd just soon live childless, barren the rest of my life than to think for one minute that because of me, something happened to the prophet. And the very next verse, I believe it's verse 17, I'm not looking, but the very next verse, the Bible said, and the very next year, according to the same season as Elisha had said, she bore son. Well, I'll finish with this. There's, there's another thing or two here to see about the greatness of this woman. She had a son, and several years go by, I believe Elisha had come and gone many times in this woman's house. I believe there were many times that she had made bread for him and, and food and, and drink and had brought it to that room, and he had been, he had been taken care of right there in her home. Many years go by, and the Bible said that the the child, we don't know exactly how old he was at the time, but the little boy, the Bible said he went out to his father's. His father was in the field with the servants, and they were working, and the little boy went out there, and and, and something happened. I kept trying to think of what could have happened, and I kept thinking in my mind he was... He was on the edge of an aneurysm, and, and, and his brain was swelling, and, and, and there was a great pain in his head, right? And he was fixing to die. We know that much. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. And so his father told one of the servants, said, take him to his mother. And so they did. They took the child back to his mother, and, and he was small enough, apparently. I, you know, I don't know how big, but he was small enough he'd get up in her lap. And the Bible said that she comforted him all the way up till about noon. And then the Bible said that the child died right there in her arms. 
Let me tell you what she did next. The Bible said she took the child and she went to the prophet's room. Hey, there ain't nobody go in that room. That wasn't, that wasn't Papa's room. That wasn't Mama's room. That wasn't the boy's room. That was, that was the man of God's. That was the holy place. That was the place that was built for one man. That was Elisha. You know what she did with her child? Boy, this was a picture for me. I like to lost it when I saw it. She took her problem, and she went to the one place she knew in her home had been consecrated for God. And she took that boy in there, and she laid him on the man of God's bed, and she backed out of there, and she closed that door. When you've got a problem, let me tell you where to take it. Amen. Let me tell you where to take it. She might have been a tad apprehensive up to that point, but bless the name of Jesus today. He inquired and he tells me to come into the throne room with boldness, to enter in to the holiest of holies and ask my petition to seek from him what it is that I need. She took the problem and she went into the prophet's chamber and when she backed out, shut the door, she had taken her burden to the Lord. And she left it there. That blessed my soul when I saw that. She took the problem to the Lord and she left it there. The Bible said when she went out, she sent word to her husband, said, send one of your servants and one of the asses right now. She said, I'm going to see the man of God and then I'll return. Going to see the man of God, her husband said, what? He sent the servant, sent as she said that. He said, why are you going to the man of God? Is it a new moon? Is it a Sabbath? It's neither one of those. Why are you going to God? Let me tell you something, men. It's often that the women of the house are more spiritual than you are. It is many times that they know what's going on spiritually when you've got your head in the sand in in this world and you can't see what's happening. Now, that may not apply to this group, but I can tell you that's the way it is in many. You can look in about every church that you look at and there are more women in it than there are men. And when it comes to something spiritual, they're out in left field. They ain't got any idea. Her husband didn't know what was going on. Now, his own boy just died, and he's trying to figure out why she's getting to the man of God. There was a problem in that house hadn't been dealt with yet. That was free. I didn't charge you for that one. Let me get on with the story. The Bible said she got that servant, and and she got in that carriage, and she told that boy, she said, you run this thing just hard as you can, and do not stop until I say so. And the Bible said he took, well, the, the husband asked her, <laughs> the husband asked her before he left, he said, why are you going? He said, is it well? And she said something to him before she left. She said, it shall be well. She said, it shall be well. Future tense. When she left home, she had put her problem in the place where the holy man was. And the Bible said that when she left, she said, it will be. Now, I want you to see that in every great man or woman that you find in the Word of God, you will also find a great faith tied to them. 
you will find a great faith that is working underneath that man or woman. I will suggest to you today that all of the attributes that I have shared with you about this great woman so far, they were all true because she was number one, a woman of faith. She told her husband, she said, it shall be well. And she left. And they went just as hard as they could to Mount Carmel where the man of God was. And the Bible said that that just about the time that she could see up on the hill, Elisha and Gehazi, that they saw her. And Elisha looked down there and he said, told his servant, he said, that's the Shunammite woman. And he said, go find out if it's all right with her husband or her or the child. And the Bible said, oh, Gehazi, he took off and he went down there. And she was still coming hard as she could. He met her down there. I I thought to myself today as I was looking at that again, I wonder if she even stopped. And then I thought, no. I'd say, oh, Gehazi had to hitch a ride. As she is going by, he jumped up in that carriage and said, is it all right with your husband? Is it all right with you? Is it all right with the child? And you know what she told him. She said, it is well. Now, let me ask you a question. What changed from the moment she left the house to when she got to Carmel? The one thing that I'll suggest to you that was different was that she could now see the man of God. She could now see the deliverer. She could now see her Christ. For you and I today, that's the picture, is that when we have a need, brother, run to God just as hard as you can. Don't let anything persuade or or stop you. Get to the man of God. And I want you to know that your man of God sits on the throne, high lifted up at the right hand of the Father. You go just as hard as you can to him. And here's what I can assure you. Listen to me tonight. Listen to me. Here's what I can assure you. When you get into the presence of him, you can start saying, it is well. It is well. Had the child been raised? Not yet. Amen. That ain't the issue. When you get into the presence of God, it don't matter whether or not your problem's been solved yet tonight or not, whether or not uh, the issue has been resolved. What matters is, is that you're at the feet of the one that can make all things well. She told Ogahazi, she said, It is well. She kept her eyes on Elisha. The Bible said when she finally got to Elisha, they stopped that thing. She jumped out of there, fell down at his feet, wrapped her arms around his feet and said, Oh, my Lord. Gehazi reached down to jerk her off of Elisha. He said, Leave her alone. He said, Don't you bother her. He said, Her soul is vexed. And he said, I didn't know it. He said, There's something wrong. And he said, I didn't know it. Now, here's the difference between Elisha and your Lord. He knows it. Elisha didn't know it. But when you go vexed into the throne room of God, here's what I can assure you. The Bible said that he knows what you need before you ever ask. Ain't that what the Bible said? It said he knows what you need before you ever ask. When you come into the throne room of God, how many of us have been vexed? And we get into the squalling into the presence of God and then suddenly the peace of God that surpasseth all understanding starts to make everything right. We look around and say, wait, 
My daughter ain't healed of cancer yet, and yet I can breathe now. And yet I can feel him. And yet I feel peace. And yet what I know in my heart is that I know it is going to be well. And it is well. Elisha said, I didn't know it. He said, it's the child. She said, Lord, she said, I I, I told you. I told you not to lie. Now, at this point, Elisha hadn't lied. What he told her had come exactly true. There wasn't no lie about it. There wasn't no deception about it. Elisha had done exactly what he said he would do. And, and the woman was not promised how long she would have a son, but that she would have one. And that came, that came perfectly true. And yet here she was with her arms around the feet of Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. I feel like I could preach this all night long. It's so full and rich. I just love it. Here she was with her, with her arms around Jesus. And you know what's wrong with her, Steve? She's confused about what had happened. How many of us have gone into the throne room of God and we praying for stuff we didn't even know what we was praying for? We were asking for things that we didn't understand. We did. What we couldn't see is what he sees. What we didn't know is what he knows. And we come bewildered and blind and confused. And here this woman said, oh, I told you not to lie, not to, not to, not to promise this to me, not to give it. And, and yet Elijah had done everything he said, right? And yet here she was. Do you know that the Lord still loves you regardless of your confusion? The Lord still cares for your troubles and your, you know what he did? <laughs> he told God, he said, leave her alone. Here's what you do. He said, you gird up your loins. Now, when he tells them to gird up their loins, you know what that means. He, you fixing to have to run. He said, you gird up your loins. And he said, you take my staff. And he said, you run just as hard as you can to the house. You go into there where the child is. And he said, you lay my staff on the child. He said, I'm coming. Now, I don't know if they expected the woman to take off with Gehazi, but here was her response. I am not leaving you. Let me give you just a little advice. You don't need to run with the Holy Spirit as it does the bidding of the Father or the Son. You just need to hold on to the Son. It's going to be all right. It'll be well. It is well when you, she said, she said, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. Ain't that good? Oh, Gehazi took off. And her and old Elisha started that trail back, back toward the home in Chunam. Went back in there. Oh, Gehazi went in there, and the Bible said he went in that room. He laid the staff on the boy. <clears throat> Nothing happened. He took that staff, put it right on the boy. Nothing happened. He was dead. Dead as could be. The Bible said Elisha her got there. Look at the text. Look at what he said he did. The Bible said that Elisha. Now again, who's that represent for you and I? That's Jesus. Elisha went into the room with the problem by himself. And he shut the door. <laughs> you know who solves your problem, Steve. Did you know he don't need you? 
bless my socks off. Elisha went in the room, and he shut the... But you know what I had to do with my problem? I had to put it in the room. I had to take my problem. I had to take my dead thing, and I had to get it into the holy place. I had, I had, to, I had to get it into the holy place. But you know what I got to do once I lay it at his feet? I got to let him do what he does. Oh, Elisha shut the door. The Bible said that he, he laid his eye on his eye. And he laid his other eye on his other eye. And he put his lips on his lips. And he stretched his arms out over the arms of the boy. And his, his flesh over the flesh of the boy. And the warmth of Elisha's body started to, started to grow into the child. And he got up and he washed and he looked and nothing happened. And he went back and he done it again. And he laid on the boy. And, and there, the, the flesh of Elijah, amen. Jesus is life. Let me, let me just remind you who he is. Jesus, our Savior, is life. Let me tell you something. When life begins to stretch itself out over the dead things in your life, they're fixing to be resurrected. The Bible said he got up that time and the boy sneezed seven times. Woke up, looked around. Oh, Elisha called for his mother. She come, stood at the door. And the Bible said she fell at his feet. Now I got thinking about that. Lord Jesus, I could preach all night long. This is so good. I got to thinking about that. Now if that had been my wife, I'm, I'm a little concerned that her first temptation would have been to have grabbed the boy. What did this great woman do? <laughs> she fell at his feet. <laughs> and she thanked him. And then the Bible said so simply, and then she took up her son and she went out. End of story. And what the Bible has to say, I don't know her name, but what the Bible says, and there was in Shunem a great woman. Are you a great man? Are you a great man? Are you a great woman? Why not? Best I can tell, everything I know about this woman was as simple and ordinary as can be. There was nothing extraordinary about her abilities, her giftedness, her wealth, her status. There was nothing about this woman that was extraordinary in any way. And yet the Holy Spirit of God said this was a great woman. Are you a great woman? Are you a great man? We should be. We should be. Come get us home. I'm going to 
give us an invitation tonight because I never know who might need to pray. And so I'll give you an opportunity to pray. We'll pray with you, pray for you, however you need it. But ain't it about time that there was some great men and women in this country? And I'm convinced that great men and women are not born. They're made. On the potter's wheel. They're fashioned for purposes, some for honor and seemingly some for dishonor, but but they're in the potter's hands still and they're and he's working at the wheel. And he don't want an ordinary Stella. He's making a great one. You say, well, I couldn't be no great one. That woman was just as plain as the bread she made. Larry, they wasn't nothing special about her. Don't tell me you can't be a great man too. That every one of us can't aspire to be better than what we are because all she did was devoted her life to the kingdom of Christ. That's all she did. She just loved God more than she did her own bread, her own house, her own son. She just devoted herself to Christ. And the the Holy Spirit of God would pin, and there lived in Chunam, a great woman. Well, you got one? I wrote this down, and I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just ask this whole crowd one last thing. They take you out there, and they, they'll cover you up if the Lord don't come first. What if somebody wrote a book about you? What would be the first sentence? Right, the first sentence... Chapter number, or verse number eight, the first sentence was, and there lived in Shunem a great one. What a great way to start a story. What would they say about you? And if you ain't where you need to be, why not? What are we waiting on? It's obviously not about our abilities or our resources or any. It's obviously something that comes from within us that makes us great, so there ain't nothing holding us back but ourselves. Go ahead and sing. I'll hush. God help me to be a great man. If you want to stay and stand with us.